0: Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be.
1: Hey, this is Chris Lewis, and welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. As always, we bring you guests that are going to make you think, but also introduce you to dads that are doing fatherhood and unique ways as well. And today I'm excited to be able to to have John Battlement with us today. And if you don't know who John is, John's been writing about, talking about in the fatherhood space for quite a few years. He's the author of The Modern Dad's Dilemma, How to Stay Connected with Your Kids in a Rapidly Changing World. And most recently has been the director of programs for the Fatherhood Project at Massachusetts General Hospital. John, thanks so much for being
0: here today. Sure, thanks for having me, Chris.
1: You know, it is a pleasure to reconnect with you. You and I go back a, a number of years, but but it's great to reconnect with you and introduce you to so many other people because, uh, I, and I'm really excited to be able to talk about the book that you have because I know not everybody has read it, but it, it is full of some really practical stuff that's gonna make some people think. But first and foremost, before we get to that, I always like to delve into you as a dad and especially a dad to a daughter, which you are. So first and foremost, I want you to think back. I want you to turn the clock back in time. And I want you to think back to that first reaction that you had when you found out that you were going to be a father to a daughter. Tell me about that.
0: The first reaction was, well, excitement that we were having a child. But I think the first reaction was kind of relief that I was having a daughter because there was a part of me that thought, I don't necessarily want to go. I know what being a son is like. And I'm looking forward to sort of not having to deal with some of that stuff and getting to learn what it's like to have a daughter. And, and I grew up without, I grew up with two brothers. So you know i don't have sisters so i was really i was really excited
1: you know i was in the same boat in the sense that i grew up as an only child so mm-hmm. i had no concept of having brothers or sisters so coming into being a father to a daughter not only was it a new situation of just not having siblings myself and mm-hmm. seeing how that all works but also the fact that you're trying to figure out what does it mean to be a father to a daughter so that so i appreciate you sharing that now your daughter is is getting older you've had many experiences with her and as as she has has grown what would you say has been the most memorable experience that you have been able to have with her thus far
0: the most memorable experience i would say it's it's almost more of a experiences almost like a more of a theme and that would be our connection through music and specifically through first it was Kelly Clarkson and then it was Taylor Swift and now it's Taylor Swift and uh, Harry Styles. So, and, and what I mean by that is uh, live, seeing live music, I'm a musician myself and, and also a, a filmmaker. So the arts are very important to me and live music has always been important to me. So I wanted to, you know, share that with my son and my daughter, and Stella specifically, as the I have a fifteen-year-old son now, and Stella's seventeen. My daughter, seventeen. When she was about nine years old, I think you know, we we always listened to music, we played music, and I, at that point, she was she liked Kelly Clarkson, and I noticed Kelly Clarkson was coming to town, and basically that was her first concert, and it was just. That bond that remains to this day around music and the the live experience, but also just music in our lives is really special. So we've gone subsequently to three of Taylor Swift's concerts and or tours. And then we're supposed to go this year, this past summer, she was supposed to play, but COVID got in the way. So it's a bond that we share and that's really important and special to us. And now to see her also going to see live music with her friends has been really, really great too.
1: So you're telling me that you're a Swifty.
0: I'm a Swifty dad. I've got, I've, yeah, beyond what uh, you probably could even imagine. I, The last tour we went to, which was 19, oh no, it was, yeah, it was 19, two tours ago in the 1989 tour, Stella and a friend uh, wanted to dress up. They, because Taylor Swift does this thing where she goes around and they, she has a bunch of people go around and to find the, the most rabid fans and bring them backstage. So, you know, lots of people dress up. We were the two dads, probably the only two dads that A, dressed up, and B, dressed up the, the particular thing they wanted to do, our daughters wanted to do. There's a sketch on Jimmy Fallon called Ooh, as in E-W, where he Jimmy Fallon plays a teenage girl and then his guests also play a teenage girl and they're down in the basement and their dorky father comes down and it's just it's a hilarious sketch so basically this other dad my friend Chris and I we the girls wanted us to be to dress as Jimmy Fallon which is dress as a teenage girl and then they dressed as Taylor Swift when she was on the show which was hilarious to us but the realization of like being a, dressed up as as a as a, a teenage girl at a Taylor Swift show was something we weren't quite prepared for. <laughs> it was comical to say the least but that's kind of what you do as a dad you know you're, you're willing to take to, uh, to take one for him take the bullet and it was but it was fun. it was a lot of fun.
1: So the question that everyone's in everyone's mind right now is did you make it backstage?
0: Oh, right. Great question. No, but we did her, one of her people, so to speak, uh, took a photo of us and said, quote, she's going to love this, meaning Taylor. And we ended up on her website, which was cool. <laughs> that was, that was, a, that was a win. There was a moment where we thought we were going backstage and then that didn't happen. <laughs> was, so you got, you sure got fun. some dad cred. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you got some dad mm-hmm. cred for
1: that.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Good.
1: So there's been lots of moments, as you just were saying, things that you share, things that um, are are positive things, also things that are challenging things as well. What would you say has been uh, one of the hardest parts of being a father to a daughter?
0: I think that one of the hardest parts, and this was kind of early on in her life and in my experience as a dad, she was about four or five, probably, maybe five or six, realizing there was this brief story, we were at a birthday party at one of those play, you know, playhouses or gyms or whatever. And, and my daughter was kind of sticking by my side and, you know, clinging to me and all the kids were out playing. And I was talking to other parents. So I was trying to kind of usher her or shoo her away and and actually usher her into the the social mix. And because I felt like, you know, that she was, you know, she was a little shy. And I, I kind of wanted to push her in that way. And to be honest, I also was, you know, wanted to, I was having a conversation with the parents and it seemed like that would be good for her. So I tried to do that. There was somewhere in that little exchange, that moment of trying to kind of push her away. I had a realization that she really didn't, you know, she didn't want to go play. And that, she was, it wasn't just about being shy. It was, I realized like she is somebody who needs to observe and really, you know, figure out what's going on before she engages and kind of having that realization that I was pushing, it was a very small example of like how I was pushing my own agenda or how I think she should behave or act On her and that wasn't it didn't fit it wasn't her so you know it wasn't a big dramatic moment but it was both that day and then sort of as I thought about that going forward I realized what like I have to really pay attention to who my daughter is versus who I think she should be or how I think she should engage in the world and what's amazing to see is now years later, and throughout her growing up, that is her like, she is somebody who observes before, who takes time before she jumps into things. And there's countless examples over the years of how that is very much part of who she is and her personality. So that that was a really kind of uh, a challenging thing to put my own, you know, sense of how I think she should be in the world aside and replace that with like, really observing her and paying attention and trying to get to know who she is
1: that's so important and i think sometimes dads forget about that and lose lose track of that kind of like what you said in the sense of you know you have an idea of who they should be versus who they are and trying to figure out for for then yourself of okay how do i reframe this for myself so that i can not put too much of myself into it. So, so now your daughter is getting to an age, you said she's 17, and she's getting to an age where she's almost an adult. And she is definitely continued to probably figure out and, and branch out and, and probably test some limits, you know, now and again, what would you say as she's getting older here? And it could be as you look back, or it could be looking forward? What's your biggest fear? in raising a daughter today?
0: My biggest fear in raising a daughter is that, well, it's both a fear and I also feel like some of the data is already in that's positive. What I mean by that is that, you know, my fear is that that she won't, that she's going to, well, she's going to need to speak up for herself in relationships, in work and advocate for herself and I know that, you know, generally speaking, this can be, it can be difficult to do that. And growing up as a girl, there are, you know, lots of examples and, and, you know, she knows this, that where her voice is not encouraged or where men will sort of take it. I know how men can be, and I'm generalizing here, but my, I guess, so my fear is that she won't be strong enough to speak up and for herself and use her voice and that she will face situations, whether it's in work, in discrimination at work where, you know, maybe uh, women's voices aren't welcome or aren't heard. She's going into healthcare. She wants to be a nurse. And, you know, I know there's lots of dynamic, power dynamics in terms of the hierarchy of doctors and nurses and assistance, etc. So that's my fear is that she won't keep that voice strong and and speak up for herself. And yet, as I said, the data is already kind of coming in. At 17 years old, I've really tried to pay attention to to this and how how her voice is developing and how she uses it with, with me, with you know, teachers with friends, and and the, thus far, I feel like she really does know how to advocate for herself, and to speak. And she has a very strong voice, whether it's you know talking to me about a, a problem or an issue that she's having with you know our relationship, or how I'm acting, or how I'm treating her, or advocate just the whole process of getting an education, applying to college. She's. She's been a very strong advocate for herself. And and so I guess that's it. It's both a fear and I'm paying attention to what I can do to help her strengthen that that voice and see that it, how important it is for her life to be able to speak up for herself
1: I think that's something that I know that I've found that I, I'm trying to do with a 16 year old myself and trying to help her to be able to find that voice and be able to feel free to be able to share that voice in a constructive way and because sometimes hearing your voice can be a, a not constructive way
0: too so <laughs> oh, yes you know trying to
1: <laughs> trying to help her in that way to be able to look at things in in different ways so um, but now, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today is your book. And I mentioned that the title of the book is The Modern Dad's Dilemma, How to Stay Connected with Your Kids in a Rapidly Changing World. And we're definitely in a rapidly changing world. Things seem to be changing all the time, whether it be from technology to political, sociological landscapes, to culturally, to, I mean, there's so many things happening in our in our society um, not only our North American society, but the worldwide society. And and so uh, what you are bringing forward here definitely is something that people do need to read and dads need to read. But I guess first and foremost, as you think about a modern dad's dilemma, talk to me about, about the definition. What is the modern dad's dilemma?
0: Yeah, I, I often think I should have called it the modern dad's dilemmas because there, <laughs> there's definitely more than one. But as I think of the the modern dad's dilemma is, in short, how do we as dads today, and I use that term pretty broadly, father figures, adult male care- caregivers, uh, stepfathers, etc is how do we give our kids what most of us did not get from our own relationships with our fathers and by that i mean how do we build on what past generations have to offer and have offered us models of strength models of doing the right thing models of working and providing sort of those are all strengths and i generally speaking i think past generations of men have have done a great job of delivering on those things and passing those values on to their sons and to their daughters but the part that i think Many of us today, and I'm born in 68, I'm Gen Gen X, and I see this with, um, you know, other generations, millennials, Gen Z, like, they're still dads today want to give to be more than just the traditional strong provider, courageous, brave guy. They want to, in short, want to connect on a deeper level, emotional connection, intimacy, bonding, there's lots of different words for it. But that's what I hear, as I've, you know, gone around the country and and internationally as well, from dads today, from the young ones to the to the older dads, is that that piece was often missing in their relationship, that emotional connection with the father. So I think that's what the dilemma is how do you give something you may not have a whole lot of experience with yourself, and there are many dads today who who did have that experience of a close, connected relationship with their father. So I don't mean to say that all fathers w- weren't able to give that, but by and large, for for lots of different reasons, met a lot of a lot of dads today don't have that or didn't have that in their relationship with their dad, and. The, the dilemma is, how do I learn that? How do I then pass that on to my kids?
1: So let's get a little tangible then. So you're talking about the fact that, you know, there are some dads out there, and, and maybe it's many dads, it's hard to say, that may not have had that type of relationship with their own father. So how do they, again, turn around to be able to to do just what you're saying? Um, are there some initial steps, some things that any father can do if they're lacking that in their own life? that they can start to move, I'm going to say in the right direction to be able to be able to make those connections with their own kids.
0: Sure. Absolutely. And this is what I do talk about in the book and in, you know, the work that I do with, with parents the, I think the first, the biggest thing is, it's kind of a two-part thing, but first is being intentional as a father and really, you know, asking that question of yourself and out loud, with your, you know, whether that's with other friends that are parents, with your partner, with your wife, with your, your co-parent asking the question out loud, what am I trying to do with my kid? What is my vision for my relationship with my child? And that, you know, you you think of companies have a, a mission statement or a vision statement. I think the same concept is a really good one with parenting. You know, what, what is my vision and the way I, I, pose this question to make it practical and tangible is to say, okay, 20 years from now, 25 years from now, imagine your kid is grown up and they they're interviewed for a film or a book about you, uh, about your relationship. What do you hope they say 20 years from now about you as a dad or, or as a mom? What do you hope they say? And what do you hope they don't say? And those responses and having done this and seen thousands of parents do this activity, this exercise, it's actually a practice. I think of it as a practice. There are some themes in those responses that I hear from dads today. And the themes are, you know, 20 years from now, I first of all, I want to be here. I want to be around, which is an important aspect of, okay, then what do you need to do today so that 20 years from now, your kid is still talking about you in the present tense. And that gets into issues of health and mental health. But I also hear a lot of, I want my kids to say 20 years from now that my dad knew me. My dad was somebody I could uh, go to if I had an issue. They This idea of like, basically, I want my kid to say they were connected with me. I want them to say that we had a close relationship. That's where that theme comes in because that's over and over. I hear that in different settings, different contexts, different language, But in short, it's I want a close, connected bond or relationship with them. And then, you know, a lot of dads will say what they don't want their kids to say 20 years from now is that they have no relationship or, you know, things like who or the fear of being disconnected with their kids, of not being important. So that the first step is to say, all right, so if you want your kid to say those things and to not say those other things, then that's where can you start today and and what needs to to happen to on an ongoing basis so that you can realize that vision. So so that's one practical step is to say, all right, be intentional, have a vision for what you want in your relationship. And that's kind of a starting point. And you know, in 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 the book and in my work, then we get into breaking those things down into more tangible steps and things you can do and not do in your daily life. So that's part one. Then the second part of that is looking at your own legacy and doing some work, however you do that. But very practically, I have an exercise that I encourage dads to do which is looking at what are the gifts you got from that relationship with your father your biological father and your mother for that matter and whoever your your primary caretakers were but i think it's important for dads to to look at their relationship or lack of relationship with their own father and say what did i is there what did i get from this this man that that's good and for some men that might just be you know that i was he gave me life you know that i'm here for others in my case it was you know, one of the gifts my dad gave me was teaching. He was very, very. Uh, he didn't call it that, but he taught me a lot of important skills and specifically skating, a lot of sports. You know how to how to do things, how to navigate, getting tickets for a game. So, so he did a lot of teaching, and that's something that's a gift that I really value that I that I want to pass on and do with my kids. And and so then the other side of that is looking at. What are the liabilities your father left you with? So, if he was, you know, had a temper, or he was, you know, alcoholic or he was not present, you know, those are liabilities that if you don't look at those and really con- concretely and actively say, I don't want to repeat that or I want to transform that that liability into something positive for my kid. If you don't look at that, I think you're much more apt or likely to repeat those mistakes, call them liabilities or mistakes. So that's the second part is looking at your legacy. What are the gifts and liabilities or mistakes that you have within you that you want to pass on or don't want to pass on? So those are two kind of like starting points. And I, there's more, it goes from there. Looking forward, and looking back.
1: Well, those are great tangible things that someone could do. And I, I will say that I know that the book itself is full of these type of easy things to be able to grapple with, to be able to, and, and, and you do have to grapple with them, but they are things that you can take and put into practice right away, um, which I, I think for every dad, I mean, I know when I'm reading a book, I, I'm looking for those those practical wins because I want I want to be able to see, see that I can move forward and be able to be able to make changes, whether they be incremental or not. But I want them to be able to, I want to be able to see some change in my own life. So I, I've definitely seen that in your book. And it sounds like from what you were saying about the relationship with your own father, that may have been some of the inspiration maybe behind this book is where you started and where you are now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny because I wrote this book for, because there was not Anything I could really find that was useful in terms of practical how to. I wanted to write both practical exercises and activities as well as hear stories. So the book's got, actually, the book has the, it's kind of a, a unique hybrid of I have interviews with dads from all different walks of life. And they actually do the exercise. There's six practices, they actually do them. And you see, you know, a semi completed exercise, like I just mentioned, the the vision statement, you see one of the, you know, first you read the story about about the guy, and then you see his actual vision statement and what he said. So it's like a how to that's kind of done in part, done, and then the exercises are there in the in the back um, blank. So just to explain what how tangible it is. I really wanted to make a book that wasn't too much of a massive program to do, but rather some simple practices to, to put into place that aren't meant to just be done once. Like you have to kind of on an ongoing basis, look at, you know, what's your intention? What's your vision as a father for your kids? So yeah, my, my it all, yes, it all starts or started the inspiration. Well, yeah, it did start with my relationship with my dad, but I should mention, and I don't even think I wrote about this because I probably didn't realize it till after, but my mom remarried and had my, I guess he's technically my half brother, but he was, I consider him my brother. I was 11 when he was born. So I was old enough that there was no rival, There's no like sibling rivalry. And I remember very, very well how I felt when he came home. I looked at it like when he came, when my mom came home from the hospital with him, my mom and my stepdad, I remember thinking, wow, I have this, this little creature, this, that I, I got to, you know, I learned to change diapers. I, helped with I just basically learned a lot about fathering both from my stepfather but also from the experience of being a big brother but a but a you know a lot older I was 11 and he was just born so so the inspiration for the book also I think came from from that experience of kind of being a a mini father if you will and learning about caretaking w- w- very early and and the importance of it
1: oh, that's great and You know, and I know that when I read this book, I I noticed that you also incorporated quite a few voices of other dads uh, throughout the book as well. So, talk to me about the where those dads come from and why it was important for you to be able to share the voices uh, of other fathers as well.
0: I'd say that as I was, you know, I do a lot of speaking in schools because I've I was started out and trained as an educator and was a teacher and and a dean and athletic director. And so schools and education were sort of my first, that was the the milieu I was familiar with. And then when I I first made a documentary film called All Men Are Sons, Exploring the Legacy of Fatherhood, that feat, you know, I found five guys from that had different backgrounds, but the similarity was they were all willing and interested in talking about the legacy of their father. So with the book, I just kind of expanded on that sort of a documentary approach, which is, it was a kind of a give and take between here are the ideas that I want to explore, this idea of vision, this idea of legacy, this idea of intimacy or relationship, which I which try to simplify as, you know, w- what is a relationship, there's two parts of it. You have to know the other person and yourself, and you have to be known by them. So know and be known. Those are sort of two chapters in the book and two different practices. Knowing is about being present and listening and being attentive. Being known is about being able to share your story and share what's going on for you in different ways, verbally especially important. So when I was looking for guys to interview in this book, it was a back and forth of, okay, this guy seems like he had an interesting relationship with his dad that he's thought a lot about and that he's, you know, kind of trying to do something differently. And so I think it was, I met dads as I went along in my, my work with, in schools, um, in helping schools to engage dads. And also I, I realized that dads would show up for their kids. They would show up in schools. Cause at first it was like, how am I going to reach men? How am I going to, how am I going to get to these, these guys? And for time I realized, oh, you got to go where they are and, One of those places was schools. And I found very early on that guys would show up and we're talking like early 2000s guys would show up to a parenting night that was about fatherhood and about, about dads and because they both it was a topic of interest then, but mostly because they wanted to do they wanted to help their kids. And they saw this as an opportunity to do that. So as I went along and meeting 1000s of dads over a period of years in different settings, I also went to nonprofit organizations, I went to prisons, I went to churches, synagogues, all different kind of milieus that where where dads would show up and I met guys along the way, and I I would take notes on, and actually get when I decided I was going to do a book, I was more active in saying, "All right, this guy, a guy named Lorraine Jones from Nashville." I met him in a school in Nashville. I remember thinking, "Boy," and he actually has in the book. It's a story of him and his his daughter, and uh, and how hard this guy worked to listen to his daughter to to understand to understand her to understand her and and he he actually had a sort of situation where he was responsible for the primary caretaking he, he and his wife both worked but her hours were such that he ended up being the one picking her up and dropping off at school and and I remember thinking oh this guy is going to have something interesting to say about you know the chapter on knowing your your child and so there were experiences like that along the way Where I thought that would be a good guy to include in the book. And and the range goes from Ted and Derek, a gay couple that were friends of mine, I knew through education, educational organizations. I kept in touch with them. They were actually in my my film as well. I kept in touch with them. And sure enough, they had, you know, I knew that they had some interesting things to say about co-parenting and sort of being a provider and who plays what role. so so there was there's a real diversity of men and women in the book. I also thought it was very important to include women's voices and as co-parents but also as, as um, just as parents. So that's that's a long answer to the guys come from all different walks of life. Um, you know one actually is Lauren Michaels, the creator of Saturday Night Live who came to a lecture that I did in New York and came up to me afterwards. And just just to thank me for talking about it, which I thought was pretty pretty cool for a guy who's a big public figure. He didn't you know he didn't have to do that. I was surprised he even showed up to the lecture, but he's turns out he's very involved and in, he's very involved in his kids' school. So it goes from Lauren Michaels, who's got really actually has really interesting things to say about fatherhood and about his thoughts on raising kids to lawane to antonio a guy who i know uh, here in boston where i live who drives the mbta bus and is divorced and was a teen dad 19 years old so there's a real there's a real range of stories that i think are really important because there's no one way to do this
1: there's definitely not one way to to do fatherhood Each of us do it in our own way and a lot of times we're we, we may fail along the way, but we learn a little bit every, every step of the way. And your book definitely is a part of that and can help a lot of dads. So I will definitely put a link in the notes today to the uh, book itself. You know, we've just scratched the surface about the things that you're going to be finding in here, but you're going to be finding a very practical book that brings in Stories of other dads, but also allows for you to be able to think about fatherhood in a little bit different way.
0: I have a question. I would, and this maybe uh, we could, if you want, put a link. You're going to put a link. We could also put one of the the exercise that I mentioned, the gifts and liabilities, maybe the vision. Same. We'll put something there in the show notes as well, so so people can actually see it. Yeah.
1: No, that'd be great. I I, I always like to add value in that regard, and I think that would be something that we'd love to have in there. Now, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our Fatherhood Five, where I ask you five questions to delve even deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready?
0: Uh, Okay. <laughs> I guess. Do I have a choice? You don't
1: have a choice.
0: <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Let's go. Speed round? Yeah. Yes, okay. Speed fair. round. Yeah.
1: So in one word, what is fatherhood? Incredible. When was a time that you felt like you finally succeeded at being a father to a daughter?
0: When my daughter told me that she had a converse a difficult conversation with her mother and when she had a difficult conversation with me those two moments
1: how would your kids describe you as a dad
0: funny would be one thing caring kind and embarrassing
1: Most dads embarrass their kids at least a few times a day. So, you know.
0: (laughs) Oh, God, I'm a horrible embarrassment. Yes.
1: Now, who inspires you to be a better dad?
0: Well, my stepdad. I often look at my stepdad. He's, I've just grown to appreciate, even though we had a very tough relationship and I've grown all the time, I appreciate him more and more. I also look to my friends, my best friends, my close friends. We talk about. Our experiences, and I take little kernels from them all the time, and I think, uh, and I rely on them to help father my kids. Which I think that's something I never, you know, everybody talks about. It takes a village, and all that, but that gets lost, and today, often, to, like, what does that really mean? I found that my peers, my friends, that are dads, can be really helpful with my kids, and when I trust that relationship to. Yeah, and it's a great thing to because I don't think we can't be everything and give everything to our kids. They need to get that from other men and other women as well.
1: And finally, what advice would you give to other dads?
0: Well, for daughters particularly, I would say get into their world and not, not obtrusively, but get interested, be interested, and stay interested in their world. And if it means you have to, you know, I, it, when they're little – you know, doing tea parties and things like that. That's all fun and cute. But as they get older, it gets, it can be harder to find common interests, but it's, I think our job as dads to, that's the work of being a dad and to, to figure out who they are, to observe who they are, to listen to them, and then find that, that common ground or make that common ground. And don't think that, I guess the other pieces I'd say is don't, when they push away, you know, 12, 13, 14, Fifteen. That does not mean they don't want you there. I think a lot of dads miss it's easy. I've I misinterpreted that too. They're pushing away as natural and important for the development, but it does not mean they don't want you and they just want you to keep showing up.
1: They definitely want us to keep showing up. And John, I, I just want to say thank you for you know not only writing this amazing resource, but but also for uh, for being here today, for sharing your story, for sharing uh, some of the experiences and aspects of your own life with your kids and love to learn that you're Swifty.
0: Do I need to put the photo on the in the notes too? That would be great. Uh, I'd love I'll to see that there. photo. Yeah, and then that. you've got to
1: start using the hashtag, you know, Swifty Dad. I think that would start trending. So <laughs> you definitely need to do that. And as right. always, I wish you all the best and, and thanks so much for being here today.
0: Great. Thank you. And thanks for all the Work you do.
1: If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step by step roadmaps and more. You will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be.
0: We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents And bring your a 'Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and musclemen Get out and be the one to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad
1: you can be